0: People think that becoming a published author is this esoteric, godlike ability that only the special among us <laughs> will be able to experience like, no, brother, probably back in the day when you had to go through the traditional publishing, for sure, probably on that type of time. But hey, it's the 21st century, change is inevitable, the game has changed, the internet has empowered everybody.
1: This shit is, can be
0: as big as you want to make it and will go as far as you want to take it. And it's all dependent up to you.
1: Welcome to Neurons to Nirvana, a platform for creative forces that embrace the unconventional and the quest for artistry, humanity, innovation, health, and healing of the mind and soul. Join me, Tom Hartridge, on a journey celebrating experiences unbound by physical borders or traditional norms, from inside the mind to the far reaches of the universe. This is Neurons to Nirvana. For many people, writing a book is a lifelong dream. So what's the secret formula that Amazon bestseller and author Chancellor Jackson applied to unlock his creativity and get published? In this episode, my guest Chancellor tells a story of how he fell into writing after his traumatic experience of being arrested and detained in Beijing for 14 days. His first book, 14 Days in Beijing, has ranked number one over 15 times in Amazon in multiple genres. A native of the state of Georgia like myself, it was great to sit down with Chancellor to hear his motivational approach to writing, publishing, coaching football, and making the very most of his life, including learning from his mistakes. If you like what you hear, visit the link in the show notes to Chancellor's many passion projects. Please follow and subscribe to the podcast on your preferred listening platform. Also, feel free to email me at Tom at com with your feedback and thoughts on how I can make the podcast more enjoyable. Every author's journey is unique, and Chancellor is an excellent example of how to make the writing process engaging to the reader by sharing from one's perspective. Let's get to know Chancellor Jackson. Chancellor, what's going on, man? Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing? Hey, man. Blessings and balance
0: to you, Tom. Blessings and balance to everyone that's tuning in right now. Shout out to y'all. Y'all the real MVPs, for real, for real. I can't complain. Every day is a great day. The choice is ours.
1: Yeah, uh, I wanted to have you on because your story is fascinating, mind-blowing, and inspirational. 14 days in Beijing. You have three books, but I find your story remarkable. Why don't you tell us, the audience, a little bit about what happened. You were, you were teaching English in Beijing, is that correct?
0: Yes, sir. So uh, yeah, I landed my first job after I graduated from Stetson University down in Florida, go Hatters. <laughs> but I landed my first job teaching English to children, uh, to children on the other side of the world in Beijing, China. And up until this point, this is the first job to tell me, give me a yes. Like we want to move forward with you as a candidate. After eight months of applying and interviewing with nothing but corporate companies, ironically, just got a whole different field for a job to tell me yes on the other side of the world. So after being told no after all this time, I'm like, it's hey, no if ands or buts about it. This is what we finna do. So went to China, best experience I've ever had in my life. I highly encourage everybody to live abroad someplace. Definitely travel for sure, but you can't truly. Get uh, submerged within the land and in the culture with just a few days, you know what I'm saying? You, you, it's not gonna happen. But if you can live someplace else, hey, I highly recommend it. It ain't gotta be long. I only lived in China for six months and I got a full, full experience in China. So, you know what I'm saying? Definitely live someplace else. You've always been fond of um I encourage everybody to do that. Um, but yeah, China was absolutely amazing. I love every minute of it um, from the people to actually working out there. Food, culture, um, nightlife, and just Beijing in general. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, so I'm in a whole completely different world, uh, essentially. But I'm just a natural uh, adventurous by spirit. To me, it was a I, it looked like an opportunity, if anything, versus something that's like, oh, this is going to be kind of scary, or I'm not really sure how to, you know what I'm saying about taking this type of jump. Now, me, i was like, boy, hey, it's going <laughs> to be lit. It's going to be lit. It's going to be a movie. I mean, it was. And then halfway through my time there, um, I got locked up and did 14 days in the Beijing penitentiary where I was locked up 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 15 men to one cell, nine wooden beds. And all I had was one plastic bowl and one spoon for 14 days straight. I'm here to tell y'all, I did 14 days. As you read the book, you don't know how long you're going to be there, what's going to happen next, how the jail even operates. Nobody knows you're in here, and you're pretty much the only foreigner, only English speaker in this cell that you in that you don't leave with 14 other men, which you can't really speak to. It's a story for sure, but once I was released, deported from the, I was deported from the country immediately. Came back to America and I was back to square one all over again. And just having to really find myself and remap out my blueprint all over again. But it took all of that, me, you know what I'm saying, trial and error, job searching, finally getting to yes to at it, with a job that's on the other side of the world, going over there, living my best life, and getting uh, locked up, falling on my face, and now I'm back in America,
1: trying to dust myself off. and. <laughs> I figure this thing all out. What was going through your mind? I mean, you were a thousand miles away from home. How did you get through that? So, um, ironically, the day I got
0: arrested, so April 4th, 2019, it was a Thursday for me. So with that being said, every Thursday I cook and prepare food and I lay that food out on my altar that I have set up uh, for my ancestors who I pay homage to. So for... Those have seen the Disney movie Coco, you have an idea of what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? I have an altar set up with pictures of my ancestors that I passed, plants, candles, water, gin, and I you know saying lay out food every Thursday and pray to them every Thursday as well. So with me doing that that morning and then Literally, just like two, three hours later, (laughs) me being arrested in the same apartment I did. You know what I'm saying? I just prayed to the ancestors, and I knew I was going to be good. You know what I'm saying? I'm in the uh, first precinct. I'm like, I can't believe this is happening. And I, mind you, I'm still high. So I'm like, well, I can't. This is crazy. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know I'm going to be good when it's all said and done. I remember telling myself to take note of every minor detail because it's going to be a great story to tell once you're out of this predicament.
1: When the police knocked on your door, what was going on through your mind? Had you heard about the police being hard there in regards to, you were smoking cannabis, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When the police showed up to the apartment,
0: it wasn't the first time showing up randomly to our apartment. Like, prior to this date, they showed up to the apartment twice, just on, just randomly. So it was, I'm like, okay, this is just like a regular thing that they do, you know what I'm saying, with foreigners. And I've heard about it through other foreigners that i met while being out there. So I'm like, okay, this is, I was still, it was still unexpected. But now I'm like, yeah, I just got done smoking. I'm like, talk about bad timing. <laughs> so I'm, man, the moment's big. I'm pitching down my leg. I'm, <laughs> s- I'm, s-
1: I'm spooked.
0: No cap, I'm spooked, but I'm like they don't, hopefully they don't know what's going on. You know what I'm saying? Let me just see what they want and put everything up, see what they want. And we're just going to work, um, work it out just as it comes, step by step. I knew I had that. They knew I was in there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I had to open the door. And ironically, I was, I was about to leave to go to a whole event prior to them knocking on the door. So I'm like, damn, I was going to get ready to leave anyway. You know what I'm saying? So I was just, a couple seconds too late, a couple minutes too late. Yeah, I was scared. Just really just, and I was just fearful of them coming across the rest of my stash. You know what I'm saying? Cause I'm like, damn, yeah, I just got enough smoking. I got a little bit more left over. Damn, you know what I'm saying? This is just this is bad timing. So I'm just hoping they just here for some routine that they've done before. And once we get done with that, I'll just be able to go on
1: about my business. But,
0: No, that wasn't the case at all. That wasn't the case at
1: all. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing about China is Big Brother's watching you over there. I mean, the way that they have monitoring systems and cameras, surveillance Mm. throughout. I mean, you can walk on the street. That kind of stuff scares me in the sense that they can face recognition. You can't do anything without... They're having a set of eyes on you, I feel. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. But
0: I feel like America's the same way. It's getting that word America's just probably a little bit a little bit more discreet. we gonna America China's gonna be a little bit more slick with it, even though you still probably gonna know China don't care. You know what I'm saying? I made a decision, I knew the repercussions from that decision. So now that we are here, hey I play with fire shit. I gotta get burned now. You know what I'm saying? And there's nobody to point the finger at or blame, but me. So with that being said, of course I'm going to beat myself up, but it was like, hey bro, <laughs> it is what it is. You got to take this to the chin. Once I'm in the cell, I'm just like, okay, yeah. I don't know how long I'm going to be here, man. I honestly don't. I just got to, it was really just me as days progress, I'm learning as I go how at least the, the jail operates. And then on the fourth day, so chapter four of the book, I moved to a new sale. So now I'm um, amongst two other English speakers and two foreigners. There were well, three foreigners, two English speakers. One was a Chinese American from California, fluent in English and Mandarin. The other one was Brazilian from Brazil, fluent in Portuguese, English, and Mandarin. And then the third foreigner was a Russian dude from Russia, but he only spoke Russian and Mandarin. But with the Chinese American and the Brazilian, being fluent in both languages, I was able to not only communicate with them, but I could communicate with everybody in this, in this new cell, especially the Chinese inmates, which I couldn't do before. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The first three days when I was in the first cell, you learn as you go. That's it. You know what I mean? But, and then it's still, you still don't know how this thing going to play out until one day somebody just finally call your nan. And But fortunately for me, I did receive signs and messages from my ancestors letting me know how my how long I would be there? They sent me two signs in regards to that. First one was live, the the only live in action one, and it happened at the very beginning. Um, and then the second one was uh, through my dreams. And then they sent me another sign, let me know how my release would be through my mm-hmm. dreams. Um, so uh, it was it was definitely a spiritual spiritual journey for sure. I've never been that tapped in with my spirituality and my subconscious like that. But it's just a crucial, crucial, <laughs> crucial moment. You know what I mean? So, having no information whatsoever and just having to rely on faith.
1: Which ancestors came to you?
0: I, could, I was just all of them. I got a whole, I got about nine to 10 that I know have passed that I pray to. Just as a collective, I feel like they all, you know what I'm saying? It was a message from all of
1: them. And you have Native American heritage, correct? Yes. Cherokee Choctaw Wetomco. There we go. Uh yeah, Cherokee Choctaw. That's North Carolina Georgia region, and that's on both sides of your family. Well, my mom's Cherokee, my dad Choctaw Wetomco. Nice. We were part of the ch-
0: true true Aboriginal Indigenous people of this you know what I'm saying of this land before colonialism okay. and <laughs> history, was <laughs> used to say the least. So just having that little bit. Of heritage, it plays a factor into my spirituality as well. Because, of course, like most people of color, they grow up Christian, you know what I'm saying, in the church. Oh, you know what I'm saying? That's, that was my mama's side, Tennessee. My dad, on the other hand, he was more of a free mind, free spirited, free thinker. He was on that type of time. So I got a great balance of the two growing up.
1: When did you start saying, all right, I've obviously got a story that I, I want to share with the world? had you had much background in writing? My degree
0: being in communication and media studies, that's a writing intensive Absolutely. degree. I didn't know that initially. So <laughs> of course I'm like, damn, but we got to write all these papers. Like what's up, y'all tripping? But that's where I gained most of my experience from writing. Cause in high school and grade school, I, we definitely did writing, but nothing to the point. I, I remember, like I remember writing in college. That writing in college was different, so I, I definitely remember. I feel like that's when I truly learned how to write in college. But <clears throat> with that being said, everything I'm doing right now, you couldn't have told me I would be doing once football came to an end, <laughs> in 2017. Like what? Everything I'm doing. You couldn't have told me I will be teaching. You couldn't have told me I will be coaching. You couldn't have told me coaching football, high school football. You couldn't tell told me I'd be coaching at-risk teams. You know what I'm saying? I didn't got locked up for drugs, and we were using 14 days in Beijing as a part of our life lessons to pull our skills from. You couldn't tell me I'd be coaching aspiring office. Anybody out there that has an idea or a concept for a story that don't know how to go about putting on paper, or do wrote a whole story, or don't know how to go about publishing, I could walk you through the whole process. You couldn't tell me I would have been doing that. You couldn't tell me I was gonna have a car rental service. You couldn't tell me I was on my own publishing company, which all my books are published through, and my services ran through. All of this just been. Hey, you trying to try, try something? <laughs> <laughs> hey, boy, I can I see you teaching. I can see you coaching. Hey, boy, you should write a book about your experience in Beijing. Shit, I'm fresh out of Beijing jail number six with nothing to lose. I ain't got, hey, I'm open for any, every opportunity. What's up? Let's try it. Let's put
1: it How up. many people do you mentor writing-wise, uh, students to help them start their writing?
0: Oh, man. As soon as I'll be up 14 days, I published 14 days and it was going crazy. I immediately started hearing from peers, like, they got some got ideas for stories, some that already wrote it. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, wow, they just was insecure about it. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. A lot of people think that becoming a published author is this esoteric godlike ability that only the special among us (laughs) will be able to experience. Like, no brother, probably back in the day when you had to go through the traditional publishing, for sure. Probably on that type of time. But hey, it's the 21st century. Change is inevitable. The game has changed. Hey boy. Internet, this internet has empowered everybody. It's like the gold rush back in back in the day when everybody was migrating to the migraine west to get in on the gold. This, this, this is the, the version of that, you know what I'm saying? With this internet. The internet has empowered everybody. This shit is can be as big as you want to make it and will go as far as you want to take it. And that's all dependent up to you. That's what I just preach to everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey bro, it's a lot simpler than you think. Uh, we can make this happen for sure. Somebody just gave me an alley oop and I slam dunked. It, you know, <laughs> yeah. I took it up through yeah. there. So I'm gonna throw you. The, I'm gonna throw you a couple alleys for sure, and I'm gonna ease you through this process. So it's just, it's just been a journey, bro. It's just been a journey, just finding myself and encouraging others, <laughs> yes, yeah, and supporting others and guiding others. While I'm still trying to figure this shit out myself, I'm not sitting here and portraying this ultimate poise like I've been had everything figured out. But I've battled every emotion. My entire journey has been nothing but getting it out the mud from football, trying to find a job, and trying to find my purpose and my identity and career, all of that.
1: What do you think is the best step for somebody who wants to start writing? Like, what would you say to them if they want to? begin a writing career or, or explore that avenue for sure
0: um definitely uh write every day journaling that's the i feel like if you really don't have no no true experience with writing or and you not that creative far as to create a whole fictional story out of the blue then tell a true one <laughs> tell something that you share a true story and just get it on paper Write it initially like you're sending a long ass text message to a friend. <laughs> a close friend. Yeah. Write it just like that. Don't worry about no grammar, no punctuation. Just write it. Till it is all on paper. Then, once it's all on paper, now you can go back to the very beginning. And you can make all those adjustments from the gram- grammatical standpoint. Man, it can be as creative as you want it to be. And you have full control on how you want to go about telling this story. All you got to do is just catch the flow. Once you, once you, I can help you find that flow, once you catch, once you find that flow, you catch it. Oh, it's a wrap in. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The hard part is over. It's already written. Now we just fine tuning it. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's, it's very simple. Um, Especially if you're just telling the true story. And with, that within the editing process, put the true story on paper. We can make we can fictionalize it while we edit.
1: So talk about that. I mean, you have two other books besides 14 Days in Beijing.
0: Yeah. After 14 Days went crazy, the same person uh, inspired me to write 14 Days. He was like, Hey, bro, you should write, you should start writing the romance cycle. I'm like, oh no, nah, I ain't even trying to do all that, bro. I ain't even the headspace for it, nah. And in addition to him telling me. A lot of women that was reading 14 days, they get to the end of the story like, okay, you talk about this girlfriend of yours all throughout the book, but you don't get to talk to it. And once you release, that's the end of the story. So what happened with you and her? How that, how that story play out? We want to know the T on that. So that was another <laughs> factor of what inspired the romance saga. Hit my number, but hey, bro, send me another outline. Send me outline. Pfft, and I just started feeling it. I, I wrote. It took me four months to write for uh, 14 days. It took me two and a half weeks to write that wrong inside. I was I was locked in, boy. <laughs> locked <laughs> in, got it put a two and a half weeks. And then just spend the rest, pretty much the rest of the year just perfecting it. And just like in, in football, you go into the game with a game plan, all right. After that first half, at halftime, what you gotta do? Make adjustments. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta correct all your mistakes from the first half, and so we can have a better second. And it's like, yeah, like that for sure.
1: You still smoke cannabis? Absolutely. <laughs> Never, yeah, absolutely. And are you not worried about living in a state like I do, Texas, where I'm a Georgia boy like you? Are you not worried about uh, where do you see legalization and decriminalization? Only th- I shouldn't have been smoking it. Say that again. A communist country.
0: <laughs> a communist country. You as a foreigner over here violating their rules to the 10th degree. I was out of line. I was tripping. I was wrong there. Here in America, where I got all my foundation laid at, eh, it's a whole different type of. It's a whole different type of story. <laughs> Completely different type of story. It's not even criminalized anymore, at least in Georgia. You know what I'm saying? In Florida, it's medicinal. In Florida, um, so it's slowly but surely turning this. Uh, turn, you know what I'm saying? It's turning around, and of course, there's a lot of other states that have became recreational and then legalized it. So. Hey, change is inevitable. Resisting change, we hold on. Accepting change, we let go. Just be able to roll with the punches, and know that, hey, it's, it's going to come around for sure. So, never let no hard time humble us.
1: Has it been completely decriminalized where you are? In Georgia, I know in Atlanta, for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah. You get caught with less than, say, number seventy-five dollar fine. If that, <laughs> it's way. It's a lot more crazy stuff going on in the streets of Atlanta. That <laughs> these folks worried about versus you got uh,
1: two grams on you a little three five or whatever. When you write, are you smoking weed? Are you on cannabis? Oh yeah, yeah, I be man, yeah, I be faded. Yes, I would be
0: faded. Sometimes I'm sober, sometimes I'm under the influence. You know what I'm saying? I can if it's like I said, a true story that you're know saying it's been it's on my spirit heavy. Oh, I ain't got no problem getting it out under any influence or any state of mind. It's gonna get on paper. It's always a vibe once I I can get faded and I'm really tapping in. I'm just locked in completely. Got my music playing in the background, full creative mode. I'm just like, you know what I'm saying? For More start. power
1: to you, man. I don't think I could write stuff. <laughs> 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 I'm way too freaking goofy. Uh, uh, man, it's,
0: it's all part of a tolerance. You know what I'm saying? Strong stronger You know what I'm saying? Stronger your tolerance is, the more you be able to function off of it. So, and that's just with anything. So, yeah, if you really partake in it like that, oh yeah, you gonna be <laughs> you gonna be in a whole dimension, whole another dimension, whole another light year. So yeah, I can uh, yeah, I can definitely understand that for sure.
1: So if you can do that, have you tried any other types of plant medicine? Shrooms, yeah, everything that grows from the earth. That's that's
0: really as far as that's I you, my mushrooms, cannabis, and shrooms are very man. Talk about a spiritual journey? Hey. <laughs> man, boy, shrooms are something else. But there is it's a vibe though. It's definitely a vibe. I enjoy shrooms. But yeah, that's as far as I've taken it. Um I've yeah, that's as far as taking it. Cannabis, shrooms, liquor. Of course, I went to almost, man, come on. <laughs> went to college. You already know them folks get down in college with the liquor. So you know, man, that's what I learned after all
1: uh, so do you think you will write any more romance novels?
0: that was just an experience honestly like I'm just telling a, a true story after one after 14 days I didn't think I had another book in me I'm thinking oh yeah this is it right here and just man, but you should write a uh, romance i'm like ah hearing the females oh you should write the uh, we just want to know the T how that story played out and then okay well okay now I'm seeing Clearly I'm going to continue to write books for the rest of my life. Now nah, I ain't gonna sit here and say, you know what I'm saying, these gonna be it. Nah, I'm I'm gonna write some more. I just when it comes to me, it comes to me. And this last book showed me it don't take me nothing. It don't take me no time to get it written. <laughs> it don't take me no time at all. So you know what I'm saying, when it comes to me, it comes to me. For the, for now, we just helping others. You know what I'm saying? Get it to that vibration, to that level.
1: How do you have the time to do that? Do you write at night or what's the deal? Oh, whenever, man, I'll, whatever free time I got. So, yeah, you're, you're um, coaching football. Was, yeah,
0: that coaching football, that's only from August, well, really from spring, like April, May to, you know what I'm saying, November, December, depending on how long your season go. But that's only about half of the year. You know what I'm saying? Football isn't full effect, now in the off season, I'm not up at the school like that, for real, for real. You know what I'm saying? So once I, And I teach at an elementary school, so when I ain't really got a, too much to do, I write within that free time while I'm on the clock, I work while I work. Uh, once I get done, I go work out, you know what I'm saying? I'm back at the crib, and I'm writing until whatever, you know what I'm saying? I might have a goal set each day, how many uh, amount of words I'm going to get done. Once I, I could reach my target, I could s- surpass it, you know what I'm saying? For sure. It don't matter until I just, you know what I'm saying, get tired or it's time. I know I gotta go do something else. You know what I'm saying? Something else is calling me to devote my full energy and attention and effort towards.
1: How many people are you mentoring or giving guidance as far as becoming writers? Like since i didn't
0: dropped 14 days, yeah, about 10, for sure. And really, then now, one that's only done had, One that's really serious and was on, he was on it just like I was, you know what I'm saying? I was on it. So, his that's what I said, his dropped in October and it did what it did. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Hopefully, the rest of them come on along with it because, hey, we already got one now. And you saw, hey, come on. (laughs) He he held number one for about two weeks because I was going crazy, you know what I mean? So, what's the name of that book? The Fatherless Child by Anthony McKinney. It's a
1: drama. And you helped him you helped him with the process? Man
0: outline. He wrote it after that, editing and just fine tuning, all of that for sure. With cover, all of it. Yeah, for sure. And it's published through Corley Publications LLC. But he owns, he owns his writing. He gets all his royalties that he's entitled to. That's the luxury about Corley Publications. We he just here to help you. You know what I'm saying? For sure. We don't try to take nothing from him. It's teamwork, make the dream work. We helping each other.
1: Do you keep up with anybody from China? When you, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, one of my, one of the, my partners, I got locked up with.
0: Um, he gonna be in Atlanta this month, and we going on tour through Florida. So
1: I don't want to give too much of the book away. And I told you, I, I just, I started it, but I want to know, like, how the fuck you got out of there, man?
0: Like I said, man, they just call your name, bro. Like I, bro, I promise you, they just. You don't know. Every chapter, every chapter, you waking up home, hoping to hear some new information in regards to you getting up out of here and you going to bed disappointed every day
1: until one day they just finally call your name to go. I mean, you weren't afraid you were going to be in there longer than that? No, because it was accountability. I mean, you eventually told the truth.
0: No, I didn't. They don't know that, at least to their knowledge. Whatever the story. I came up with, I had plenty of time uh, between me getting arrested to the actual time they like did my official interrogation, that was plenty of time for me to come up with a good story to finesse them with. So soon they bought the story, because they released me uh, from because they took me to the basement of the precinct, the second precinct we was at, and locked me into this all metal chair that looks like an electric chair to do the interrogation. So I'm like, okay, once I'm like. They done released me from the chair. I'm like, I'm hoping they bought the story. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm like, I could have said this, I could have said that. But all in all, hey, we just gonna see. I don't know what's going on. And they're not explaining anything to me. After everything we do, they're not explaining, okay, what's gonna happen next. I don't know what they just coming and get me. Like, I'm just following orders, bro. I don't know what's going on. That part. <laughs> that part. So it's just like it's quiet for me. I just hey man, I take note of every minor detail because it's gonna be a great story to tell once you out of this predicament. When it's all said and done, it's gonna be an
1: amazing story. For sure. That's all I knew. I mean, I'm gonna hammer it again. You knew you were gonna get out for sure? Yeah, I just knew I was going to be good. I didn't know how,
0: I didn't know how the thing's gonna play out. I just knew when it's all, I know physically, spiritually, mentally, I'm going to be as one. When this whole ordeal is done, I'm going to be still me. Now, how's this thing gonna play out? I have no clue. But hey, we are gonna
1: learn as we go. I'm fascinated by the whole. I would have been scared shitless. That's all I gotta say. Yeah. yeah, were you? Were you? Once you got out, were you just ready to get the fuck back to? Oh yeah. Were yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, by that time, I'm like, I
0: done had a foot. Like I said, prior to getting locked up, I'm living my best life, best experience by far. Then boom, shit, the fan. Now I'm seeing the ugly side of China. I got a full experience of China within these six months. That's why I said, it'll, you go live someplace else, it, it might not take you a year just to get, get fully immersed and fully experience that land. It don't, hey, it don't take a year. <laughs> it don't take a year. You know what I'm saying? I got a full experience within six months. So yeah. But um, I, was, yeah, I was ready to go.
1: What was the first thing you did when you got back to Atlanta?
0: I'm talking about, I flew back with Delta. So I had compliment, uh, all I could drink, drink, uh, man, limited drinks. Boy, I got so fucked up on that flight back. Getting <laughs> <Send that laughs> on flight back from China to America, boy, I'm folded. I'm folded on the plane. I, I'm just listening to music. First ten, first whole ten hours. Yeah, the first flight, the whole ten hours, I just listen to straight music, bro. That's that's my favorite thing to do. Get faded, listen to music, vibe out. So the fact that I went without music for two weeks, anyway, it was to the point that. Like, I'm always singing a song or you know what I'm saying quoting some lyrics from a song naturally but within those two weeks bro I couldn't even I couldn't even put my lips together to sing anything like nothing was coming to my spirit as far as anything musical wise so to be deprived from something that I love so much for two weeks uh, that's all I did for the first ten hours of the fight wow, I just got
1: lifted on the <laughs> on the ride there, and then but what was the, when you got to land? What were you what did you do? What time did you uh, get so back? Now
0: I'm just back to yeah, now I'm um, I'm, I'm back to square one. I'm happy to be here, but still just trying to get back adjusted. My money's still over there in China. I'm really, my back against the wall. I don't lost everything in two weeks. Like, I'm down bad for sure. For sure, you know what I'm saying? Real test trial of the mind, test resolve of the soul, but me being resilient. Just climbing myself out of that hole and now I not you know what I'm saying, to found like just all these different endeavors I have going on now currently, is, it's just been me trying different things out since I got back from that whole experience.
1: Um, so it's just really a,
0: just a, the journey was just continuing, honestly.
1: Do you think you'll write something where it's based in Atlanta or what What do you think you'll write next? I mean.
0: Oh, far as book wise. Um, yeah. Yeah, man, I have no clue.
1: <laughs> I have no clue. <laughs> you, told
0: me, you, you couldn't tell me I was going to write a romance saga. You couldn't have told me that. You know what I'm saying? So I honestly have no clue. I ain't no telling. That was the whole 180 to me. to write a whole romance saga after 14 days. So. Hey man, ain't no telling. I might be on some sci-fi shit for all we know <laughs> next. You know what I mean? A whole different type of time, so.
1: Which authors do you like? Do you have any favorite books that you've read recently?
0: 14 Days in Beijing.
1: Uh... <laughs> 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 hey, so,
0: 14 Days in Beijing, You Love You we Learn, Real Love Never Dies. Then my favorite titles, then my favorite breeds. for the show. You know what I mean? I'm always so your own work is your favorite? For sure, know, Like I said, bro, I don't read books. I just write them. I can write. Them. I can tell a story for sure.
1: I don't really read them. Like I don't read them. I love that, dude. <laughs> you gotta be proud of. You gotta be proud of what you put out there. That's for sure. You know me. <laughs> my, shit, my shit. My shit speak for itself too. So it's like hey bro
0: get your popcorn ready that's what i tell
1: everybody get your popcorn ready (laughs) it's a movie no cap. which of the three books are you most proud of 14 days
0: yeah without a doubt without a doubt yeah because that's something i knew i wanted to do my first published 14 days i was 23 24 years old you know what i'm saying best author 23 24 years old that's one who who's 23, 24 year old writing books. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And in addition to that, the pop, my, my friend that inspired me to write my book, he was a published author at seven, eighteen years old. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, we just on a whole. We're Renaissance men, is what we call ourselves. Hell yeah! How long did it take you to get it published? Oh, that ain't number a thing, bro. Honestly, <laughs> that's the easy part. The hardest part is getting the story done. <laughs> getting the story done and perfected, like ready to, to submit, that's that's where all the workload is. And then marketing it on the back end, but far as pop shit, that's the easiest part, bro.
1: And for people that want to find it, your book is where?
0: Amazon and my website, chancellorkjackson.com. Also have the audio book for 14 days, available on SoundCloud, YouTube, Spotify, Anchor and Apple Podcasts, and I'm reading it. It's a vibe for sure.
1: <laughs> it's a vibe for sure. Are you narrating for all of your books?
0: Yeah, I'm, yeah, we are narrating it, and I'm voice acting some of the characters from Unfortunately Days, and Dazin
1: for sure. That's great. I gotta check that out. What, uh, is there anything else you wanna share to the audience? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wanna leave y'all with this message before we close
0: out, and the message is from Nipsey Hussle. So the message goes long winded running through this life like it was mine. Never settling, but setting every goal high. One thousand burpees on the path of my own self-destruction or no success. But what's a mistake without the lesson? You see, the best teacher in life is your own experience. And none of us know who we are until we fail. They say every person is defined by their reaction to any given situation. Well, who would you want to define you? Someone else
1: or yourself? whatever you choose to do, homie, get your heart to it. Stay strong. Love it. It's badass. Do you have any poetry that you want to... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. so um, while I was... like, So the first three
0: days when I was uh, only 400, only English speaker in the cell, I started creating a poem while I was in there. Didn't finish it until, of course, I got out and started writing the book and that whole nine. But the title of the poem is called Free Me. It goes... Free me, a song of my culture, restrained in the land for 14 days when I'm a foreigner. Even in my native land, I felt foreign, but I felt at home simultaneously. Never would I have thought the phrase free me would mean free me. I'm glad I'm not dead, lest a front of a shirt be my final resting place. Pride stained on my flesh, how I a cub have wandered into the Serengeti. A clock on the wall knows my future, my freedom in his hands. A second is life. A minute eternity. Free me. Peace is my cell, cold, dark, unchanging. Unfamiliar eyes accompany me daily. twenty four seven fifteen. Nine, three, one, one, 24, 24 hours a day, seven, seven days a week, 15, 15 men to one cell, nine, nine wooden beds, three, three soups a day, one, one, one plastic bowl, one plastic spoon. My lucky numbers red and blue. Life and substance, knowledge and power. A trial of the mind to test the resolve of the soul. But never let a hard time humble us.
1: And if the hustle we trust, the marathon continues. Appreciate it, man. That was awesome. Appreciate you, man. (laughs) For sure. I love that. Bring it full circle, like you said. Just a plastic spoon and a plastic bowl. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, boy. days. <laughs> no soap, no toothbrush, no toothpaste. nothing, boy. No information, nothing. You got to this. it. All right, Chancellor. Well, I can't thank you enough, man. And uh, it's been a real pleasure. Likewise, family. I appreciate you for having me, man. Hey, and
0: shout out to everybody that tuned in for the whole episode. If you stuck to, through, hey, you a real one. For sure, boy. Shout out to you. <laughs> shout out to you, for real.
1: Yeah. I appreciate it, man. I loved it. And uh, it's good to be talking to another Georgia boy. On me. <laughs> on me. I'll have to let you know the next time I'm in the ATL. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we're going to tap in. If I'm ever in Austin, Texas, oh, yeah. We're going to lock in. You'll be in good hands like all states. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that, man. All right, my friend. I appreciate it. All right, family. Peace. It is evident that Chance delivers a refreshing perspective on positivity hustling, and accountability. It was fantastic to hear about his diverse projects and how he's gained many life lessons through his journey. In addition to 14 Days in Beijing, Chance talked about his romance saga about a man's first step to gaining emotional intelligence. Chance's additional books, You Love and You Learn, and Real Love Never Dies are also available on Amazon. Again, if you like what you're hearing, visit the link in the show notes to Chancellor's many passion projects. Is anyone tuning in for the first time? If so, then please like and follow my podcast on your preferred listening platform. Also, if you wanna be part of the Neurons to Nirvana community, you can sign up for the newsletter and complete the brief survey to help set the direction for the future episodes in the show notes. As always, thank you for listening. And until next time, I'm Tom Hartridge and this is Neurons to Nirvana.